Hey, happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Five Tool Baseball Podcast. And it's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since we last recorded one of these. It feels like it's been like three months because with high school baseball tournament season ongoing, if you park yourself at one place, chances are you're probably seeing like six, maybe seven games. And maybe you're going to multiple tournaments over the course of the weekend or whatever it is. But uh, it just seems like a lot has happened since we last talked. Um, Drew went to Disney World. He survived. Um, he <laughs> might have lost, might have lost a brain cell or two. So that happened. Uh, the Major League Baseball lockout ended. That happened. Um, we saw a ton of baseball since then. I got my AirPods replaced, which uh, both That's of them huge. were faulty. Yeah, because <laughs> there'd be times I'd be talking, and all of a sudden the left one would just get very loud static so i'd have to take it out and i couldn't hear and it was becoming a mess and take it in and you know apple ran the test and like yeah these are they both failed the test so here's some new ones it's like okay thank you for oh, taking oh. care of me but um See a lot later. has happened since then so drew first off let's get the disney world scouting report um will you be going back anytime soon and um how how was the experience? soon soon no chance um <laughs> I think I think where I've landed is that you know our son is almost two, Koi is almost two, and you know I think he had fun. Um, it's probably a I, I think he's in that that range where he's not old enough to remember and he's still crazy. So like I saw some people with babies, like baby babies, yeah, and I was like, ah, that's not so bad. They're sleeping. You can carry them, like, but like he's at that age where like trying to keep him in a line not happening and he can't ride all the rides. Yeah. So, um, I think if I had to do it over again, we'd wait a little bit longer. Um, I don't know that there's a great time for it, but you know, I, it was, there was some weird things about it. Like obviously it's expensive, Um, but some of the stuff that I thought would be expensive, like the food in the park was Mm -hmm. not really a big thing. Food was good overall. There were some, my wife did some advanced scouting, um, and she, she had it all mapped out for all the little, uh, carts that we would hit. Um, but there, there were some good ones without having to go in a restaurant. Now we did go in one restaurant. Uh, we did like the buffet, um, I think, you know, hoping to see some characters and stuff, but she, uh, we're pretty sure she got sick from that. So that, that, that may, yeah. So we, she got sick at the end of day one, went through all the way through the end of night one, she, and she was tough and toughed it out and made it to day two, but it was a long, long night. Um, but we did magic kingdom day one and animal kingdom day two i think mm-hmm. animal kingdom was a little bit more our speed especially with koi at his age because for one he's obsessed with animals yeah two there was less people um and so it was just it was just easier to navigate and mary's best friend was with us on day two so that helped but it's a it's a it's tough man it's a it's a beating like yeah. i was exhausted um mentally physically financially um (laughs) from the trip but you know it 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 all turns out to be worth it when you see how happy they get when they see mickey who koi's obsessed with or you know but i think unfortunately his favorite part i think was the hotel pool so um funny how that works 
Yeah. It's like you get all the toys but, and everything and they just want to play with the box that something came right, in. You right. Know? Yeah. The, how, the, free, the free stuff is what they like. Um, yeah. But yeah. So no, but came back with, he, he already had his favorite stuff, Mickey. Now he came back with Pluto and Donald. And then, you know, I know you're not a fan of the Orlando airport, but no, we, um, we had an easy, I mean, from our hotel was about 30 minutes from the airport and from door to gate was about 40 minutes for us. And that's having to go to the desk to like get him on our flight and all this. But anyways, it was easy, but then we got there so early that we spent, I think Coy and I spent about two hours riding the tram back and forth just because he liked being on the tram. (laughs) And that was our, uh, that was our entertainment for the, the wait. Yeah. I'm glad you had a, a, a good Orlando airport experience because it is the worst airport I've ever been in and there's not a close second. So I actually saw somebody <laughs> tweet that like literally a day later after I texted you. Bunky um, Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. That's who it was. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that airport is awful. Well, like I, I, just, I hate it with a passion. Well, one of the things like, so Mary's friend flew had an earlier flight on the same day and she got there and it was like, you're explaining, like it was madness and people were bribing the attendants to like get in line because they're missing flights and, and all that. So we must've just like caught the perfect like wave or in between waves. Um, because so, you know, I freaked out and we, we left way earlier than we had planned. Um, but you know, to add to the angst on that, we did a, we did a bunch of Ubering with a car seat. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, but you can't schedule those in advance. Like you can schedule Ubers in advance, but you can't schedule an Uber with a car seat. You just you're just kind of at the mercy of who's out driving with the with the car seat in. Yeah. And we, we lucked out and had one like five minutes away at five in the morning on on our last day and just easy as can be. But my wife got in like we had an Uber minivan. And we've sworn to never consider driving a minivan. And Mary's like, you know, that wasn't that. And I said, don't. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. No, we're you not. You get in there and they have go- all the bells and whistles and all this stuff. Yeah. And like, it doesn't feel like a minivan when you're in there. And yeah. Yeah. That'll, yeah. that'll be careful. Be careful. That'll, that'll not happen you for sure. Not happening. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So we saw a, a ton of that. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing coming off of that trip, you were probably a little more willing to um, to find an extra game or two to, to kind of hang out after after that experience. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll start it off with I mean, I had a pretty eventful week, um, you know, especially on the 2023 side, because I saw Travis Sakura pitch again. Um, I, I was going to go watch Preston Freeman from Floresville, a, a shortstop we like in the 2022 class as a 5-55 guy, UTSA signee. And this is why you always check ahead of time before you ever go see anybody. Um, he has a shoulder injury. Um, he'll be back in, in a few weeks for district play and all that sort of stuff. But um, that that saved me about a four-hour round trip where I would have been just crushed if I got there and he wasn't there. Um, so I ended up trying to pivot last minute and I, you know, I was like, all right, well, you know, I, Travis Accord is throwing at round rock and they're playing. Vader oh, Brady. what a consolation prize. Yeah, I know. Right. It's, it's, it's nice to have that to fall back on at a home game standpoint is okay. I'll just drive 15 minutes and, and see this guy. Um, and they're playing Vandegrift, who's a solid team with yeah. Brain Buchanan, who's a 2023 
um, Baylor commitment, a catcher that we've got in the final 55. And man, he looks to part physically. Um, he was the only guy that put the ball in play off of Sakura um, through three innings. And that just literally, kind of speaks, yeah, literally. Yeah. He's the only one that, that puts <laughs> the ball in play. Um, so Sakura punched out eight over three innings, scoreless innings, obviously. Um, he was up to 98. Um, it was a chilly night. And I think that, you know, he's, he's learning how to, to build up, to be a starter. You know, it's, it's different than just airing it out for an inning, but held his velocity all three innings. Um, the slider continues to look like a, a better pitch than it has in the past. I think we can confidently say that that's, that's going to be a weapon and that's what it is. Um, and he actually started throwing a splitter too. You know, I've seen something in the 86 to 90 mile an hour range and it didn't look like a change up, but it's just kind of like, okay, that when you have a guy that's throwing that hard, it's, it might be a change up. Um, but he said that he's actually throwing a splitter, which, um, is really exciting because you, you kind of see how that pitch is translating at the major league level with guys starting to add it to their repertoire, you know, Marcus Stroman recently added one and there's some other guys that are, you know, that Kevin Gosman had his renaissance and it, it became a really good starting pitcher with the splitter. So I think it fits his profile. Great. Um, it's something I'm excited to see him keep throwing in the future, but um, he is as advertised three innings, third inning held all this stuff was, was really, really good. Uh, but round rock actually lost that game two to nothing uh, because Daniel Farrow, an HBU signing in the 22 class, right-handed pitcher, uh, threw a complete game shutout. Um, it was still touching 87 miles an hour in the seventh inning. And this was a cold night. I mean, it was around 40 degrees uh, for the entire game. But, man, HBU, I feel like every time I, I see one of their guys, I'm like, that's a, that's a really good get. Um, so that's a guy that's a 22 signee that I, I think is going to compete to throw innings for them right away. Um, but Vandergriff's a solid club. I mean, not a lot of offense both ways in that game because it was a really good pitching matchup. Round Rock actually had a 2023 right-handed pitcher that came in after Sakura, Tanner Jackson, who was up to 86, uh, had some promising curveball shape that kind of buckled a couple hitters. I think that he's going to be a guy to follow, but um, that's, that's how I started the week off. And then I went and saw Lake Travis on Wednesday play Cedar Park. Uh, Luke Jackson was back on the mound, 2022 uh, Texas A&M signee, a 5-55 guy, um, was dealing with a, a, like a, a back injury earlier in the season. He made his return to the mound, was up to 94 miles an hour. Um, it, it's He's a fun guy to watch. Um, it, it's one of those – it was kind of like a Jacob DeGromish delivery, um, you know, with that athleticism, the way it looks, um, kind of where the, the hands are in, in unison with the, the, the leg kicker. Reminded me of DeGrom, and, and the arm speed is there as well. Um, you know, he, he's a really exciting guy. Um, I, I, I left thinking that there's – there's more in the tank there. I mean, obviously, because that was his first start coming back from, from an injury. But there's also, I think, more in the tank for him to potentially, you know, make headway in the list and, and be a guy that's that's definitely – I mean, he is one of the top pitchers in the state, but one of those guys that could keep on moving up as, as he builds back up again and, and gets that strength and everything like that because um, there was a lot to like about the delivery and the stuff. But um, Lake Travis, you know, had a really strong performance against Cedar Park. Um, Caden Kent, every time I see him, he hits at least one hard line drive for a base hit somewhere. The guy just hits. I got to look at our guy Cole Johnson for the first time because he was out with an injury when I last saw Lake Travis. And man, that power is real. It, it, it's just like it just jumps. It's like he almost can miss hit balls that are just flying to the warning right. track. And uh, 
fun guy to watch. I mean, the ball really flew off his bat. I mean, I, I could see why Oklahoma State took a look took a look at him and made a move um, to grab that commitment. But um, and and he's still coming back from that fractured too. thumb, right? So, like, the thumb, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so mean, he was he was hitting, but not playing defense or something like that. But he, there, you know, he's. I, I talked to him uh, the other day, and I mean, I, I think he feels good, but I don't think he feels all the way back yet. But yeah, that's what we saw with him on the academic team. I just thought he, you know, he squared everything up. He had a feel for what he was wanting to do. So I'm excited and happy that wasn't an extended timeout for right. him. Right. You hear thumb and stuff like that, and you worry it's like right. maybe a, it's something that's just going to linger for a long time and sap some of the power and stuff like that. But um, no, he looked apart for sure. And then, I guys saw this kind of like is one of the reasons why I think Lake Travis is one of the best teams um, in the state is they had a guy come up and out of the bullpen to pitch the final inning of that game, uh, Caden Leon. And I'm like, who is this guy? Cause he wasn't on the, the original roster mm-hmm. that they sent me at the beginning of the season. He's coming out 86, 87. It's easy. It's jumping out of the hand. Um, he's undersized, but you can tell that he yet to mature. And well, he's throwing his, he's throwing a breaking ball for a strike. He's got change up feel. I'm like, what the heck? And I, I'm texting um, Mike Rogers, the head coach, after the game. I'm like, who is this guy? He's like, oh yeah, we just brought him up for JV. I was like, you gotta be kidding me! Like this this guy's hanging out on JV. Like that's just that's how many arms they have. That's just kind of what talent they have there right now. But he is going to be a, a dude, I think. I mean, it was legit feel for three pitches. Gets out there firing strikes. I mean, the fastball's got some life to it. It was really, really exciting to watch this guy pitch, and uh, definitely a guy I'm gonna I'm gonna mark down on the 24 list as a guy to surely follow very, very closely. Um, because you know who knows how many innings he's gonna throw for Lake Travis this year, but um, he definitely his stuff played well at that level. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I and Caden's dad Scott played at Texas and is, is a big guy, so I would imagine him growing quite a bit and his dad's a good baseball guy does some instructions and so Caden's been around the baseball field for a long time and obviously it's in the family blood so yeah I could see him making a big jump when he grows um but I know the people around the program down there are excited about him um but yeah I mean it's interesting you know I, I got to see a handful I saw five games on Thursday like you did and then uh three more on Saturday and a couple of things stuck out to me about tournament play. Number one, you know, the pitching matchups are all very different based on like we talked about last time. I think, you know, there's, there's people that are, have already started district. Yeah. um, And then people setting up their pitching for the up this week, which is now um, going to be district. So you get a lot of lopsided matchups, even between two good teams. And one thing I noticed, you know, they, they, they play these, a lot of teams, a lot of the bigger schools at least play some like five, six game tournaments. And I've been surprised at how much some of the teams have moved people around. Um, some of the best teams I've seen have done that a lot. Like I've seen them three or four times and no, almost nobody's playing in the same spot or it's a different lineup or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're throwing guys that probably won't throw a whole lot during the season once district starts. So it's tough to take a lot, I think, from the results of the games. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's a, you know, kind of a good cautionary tale for us as we start doing this too, is, you know, you see, you see a guy that's really good in a game or really bad, or, you know, just not himself, 
you have to see these guys multiple times to really form an accurate yeah. opinion. And it, it really matters which day you see them because, you know, I saw, I saw one guy on our 55 um, last one of the games last week, and he didn't have a very good game. And then later in the weekend, he goes off. So it's just kind of a, it's a good cautionary tale. And it's why you got to try to see these guys as much as possible. And it's one of those things that makes the ranking process, whether you're talking about teams or individuals so difficult because, you know, there's, there's not a lot of consistency at this age um, from, from a number of angles. And that's why the teams that are consistent, a lot of the times end up winning over some of the more talented teams at times. But, you know, cause I've seen some of I mean, a handful of teams that are ranked pretty high in the state and I've seen them in the same day at times and they've been really good one game, really mm-hmm. bad the next. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, there's there's a lot to take away from these tournaments while at the same time not being much at all. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it reminds me of a great quote a, a scouting director gave me when I was just kind of, you know, asking because I've tried to learn from those guys as much as I can. I was like, hey, what? what advice would you give me knowing that my evaluations are going to be almost exclusively high school players? And he said, um, you know, figure out the tools and don't ride the wave of performance. Like, like understand that their performances are often, there's going to be a lot of ebb and flow to the performances, but um, you know, what do the tools look like, like each time, you know? And, and I was like, yeah, it's like, that's a good way to put it. Cause like you said, like I was looking at some of those ranking lists for state teams this morning, as I was kind of scrolling through some stuff and making some notes and I'm like, I've watched this team, this team, this team. And it's like, man, it's like, yeah, I'd have him, I'd have them there and them there and then there. And it's like, well, you know, I saw this team and I know they lost this game and they played it's, they're, they're like even the best teams in the state are just like you know you almost don't know what you're going to get game to game um right now like you said the, the tournament weekend settings it's like yeah okay probably not gonna have the same catcher for two games in a row like the pitchers like who knows might be a guy that comes up from jv that's throwing because they just need somebody to throw innings because district play is coming up and uh I, I'm very much looking forward to district play because it feels like it's going to be much more of a set like this is who's pitching early in the week late in the week this is our lineup. We might rotate a guy here or there, but generally speaking, these are our dudes um, because it's time to win some games now to try to get into the playoffs. Yeah. And it's talking about the, the traits and the talent, you know, I got to see Theo Gillen live for the first time since, I mean, I'd seen him in some camps. He kind of looks like me, right. Kind of physically. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very yeah, physically similar. I might, uh, you know, if you're far enough away, I might confuse y'all. Um, but man, the guy's electric and he's a baseball player. He's not just an athlete. Right. Um, just, you know, he, he makes hitting a single exciting, you know, cause he's one of those guys that can get on steel bases. He had a, he hit a little, his first at bat that I saw him, he hit a little ball down the right field line should have been a single. He turns it into a double and then a triple because it got away from the fielders. Um, and it was just like, all right, well, there it is, you know, and, and he just, he just moves the right way. Uh, mm-hmm. he looks, looks like he has a feel for what he's doing. He's not just a strong, fast kid, right. He, he definitely knows where to be and, and pays attention to the right things and got good jumps and all the little things that you want to see were on display. Um, you know, the Westlake team, they have a really talented young group of guys, um, 
Sage Sanders actually got hurt in one of the games that I was at, but man, he's got a good swing and he's made a jump physically. I'm, you know, I've known him since he was five coming to baseball camp. Um, but you know, he, uh, he, he looked like a real hitter. He's got the hit tool and made good contact all weekend. Um, you know, that have a handful of guys, Chance Covert, 22, or excuse me, 24 Texas commit left-handed pitcher, um, you know, looked good in his two or three innings that he threw. Um, got to see uh, Rock Hill a couple of times. You know, like we said before, uh, Brenner Cox looks the part. You know, one of the, one of the most physically imposing um, presences that I've seen so far is Alito's Max Ballou. Um, he's just one of those guys that the second he steps in the box, you're kind of like, yeah, that's a, that yeah. looks like a big leaguer, you know, yeah. like you can, you can just see that this guy has confidence, knows he belongs and just looks the part. And he was impressive. You know, I think he'd fouled a ball off his knee the day before. And so he didn't play in the game before that. And, um, but man, I tell you what, like he, he steps in there and it's just like, all right, you know, this is a guy, this is a guy, this is what it's supposed to look like. Um, I mean, he looked like, you know, if you threw him in the middle of a college lineup right now, it, he would definitely still stick out to my, to my eyes, but he looks like he's um, gotten stronger since we saw him in the fall. Yeah. He's a monster. He's, he's definitely physical. He looks like, he looks like he's an older guy that's playing with younger kids yeah you know, just just physically imposing um but yeah he was good uh Braden randall hit a bunch of home runs over the past couple of weeks mac rose hit a couple of home runs got to see him pitch live for the first time he didn't he wasn't pitching a whole lot in the summer by the time i got to see him but he's crushed a couple of home runs um uh, and i'll tell you this keller keller is the biggest high school team i've ever seen ever <laughs> They, they, they look like the version of Stanford that used to always come to Austin. That was just like, man, these guys are huge. Like yeah. they, they have a bunch of, gr I don't know what is in the water in Keller, but those guys, that, that team, and they lost a lot from last year's team. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. a bunch of returning starters, but man, they are physical. Um, and they, they had a good day Saturday, you know, and earlier again, like we said earlier in the week, they, played awful and we weren't yeah. there but i had i know people that were and they're like man that just didn't didn't do much but uh you know they flipped the switch and won two good two had two big wins on saturday over flower mound marcus and um uh and rockwall so they're getting ready for district play and look ready to go but i'm curious to get your thoughts on the sentin game yeah yeah that was um i had some fomo because I knew Justin Lampkin was thrown in Kerrville Saturday. Was that Saturday? A no hitter. <laughs> yeah. Then we saw then I saw the stat line. I was like, oh my God. Threw a no hitter with 21 strikeouts. <laughs> like, but I was like, you know, Smithson Valley was there. Um, Dripping Springs, obviously, was at Dripping Springs, but sitting like it was an opportunity to like sit on them for a full weekend, which like we just talked about. That's that's how you really learn about players in a team like I always felt at the college level if I watched a hitter for an entire weekend series I came out of that series having a really good feel for what kind of player he was um pitchers like probably need to see more than one start but even one college start it's like all right I, I've seen this stuff I get a good idea here but at uh, the high school level it's like if you can watch these teams multiple times um in a weekend 
you get a pretty good feel for them. And man, they are as advertised. Um, they're really good. They're really well coached. Um, they have like a great presence about them. Like, you know, sometimes you, you, you kind of get those teams on paper that are loaded and they kind of act like it, you know, but, but these guys were kind of unassuming, like, Oh man, like we're playing, you know, six, eight teams, like, like that kind of thing. And it's like, in my head, I'm like, well, you're sitting, you're up and down your lineup. It's probably all going to college or, or the professional route, but they, they don't carry themselves that way. They just, everybody they go play against, they compete and they want to win and they don't take anything for granted. And they were really impressive. I mean, it was it was fun to have a week where I got to see Travis Sikora on Tuesday and then Blake Mitchell on Thursday and Saturday. And Blake Mitchell, man, like he came out of the pen that uh, Thursday game they played. Uh, bump 96, a bunch of 95s. He threw one breaking ball and I would have put probably a 65 on it. It was just a hammer. Um, just blowing guys away in a scoreless inning. Um, he looks great physically. Um, he didn't have one of those like, oh my gosh, moments at the plate, but he, he had mul- he had a bunch of base hits, got on base a lot. But man, watching him catch on Saturday, I mean, he threw out Casein Wells by a full step. And we know how fast Casein Wells is, Smithson Valley outfielder who's going to AM. Yeah. I had Casein Wells. 3.61 down the line this past week on a drag butt. 3.61. And that is that, flying from that's even from the left Bish. side on the drag bunch. That's um, team Bish on team Bish crime there. Yeah, it is. It is. But um, so for I mean, it's it's early in the morning. It's a 9 a.m. game. It's chilly. Um, and you know, Blake Mitchell's had one warm-up throwdown at this point because Wells gets on base in the first inning. He comes up. I mean, it's 1.87 pop time. It's on a line. It's exactly to the glove at second base. And he throws out one of the fastest guys in the state and probably one of the best base dealers in the state by a full step. And it's just like one of those wow <laughs> moments, you know, like, wow. Like it was a reminder that even if even if he is just an average hitter, he's such a good and talented catcher that, I mean, he's 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 got to be a first round pick. I think whenever he's eligible, he just has to be like, we don't often see that combination of athleticism and catching ability and arm strength and, and how he can shut down the running game. I know, by the way, he's got some juice in the bat. It could potentially really hit at a high level as well. So um, it was fun to see them both in the same week. He's the real deal. Um, I came away impressed with Ryland Galvan too, the other Sinton catcher who signed to Texas. Yeah. He's a, a 2022 5-55 guy. Um, I'm a big believer in, in bat speed and in in its importance and how it translates and how it, it it's it, I think it's kind of the you know the stickiest thing in terms of like what can most correlate to success. I think that if you have great bat speed, I mean that that puts you ahead of a lot of other people. Um, and he does, man, he physical, he's taking great care of his body, looked fantastic. Um, he did swing and miss occasionally against spin, but great bat speed. I mean, he hit some rockets all over the place um, in the three games that I saw. Um, I, the bat is going to be ready to play, I think, immediately at Texas. Um, I think he has enough catching tools to where if he continues to work on it, uh, he can compete to, to catch some innings behind the dish immediately at Texas as well. 
really strong arm, uh, big time arm strength, the guy that, that's going to be able to, to keep the running game in check because of his arm strength. Um, his brother, Renee, uh, was only he was limited to pinch running. He tweaked something when he was swinging a bat earlier in the season. Um, you know, Adrian Allenies wasn't concerned about it, but they're just kind of holding him out as he lets that heal. But he was pinch running and man, they, he works the part physically. I mean, he's bigger than Ryland is. I mean, he is a specimen. Um, I think that's a guy that that when he he's he signed to, uh, I believe, Tyler Junior College. Pro scouts are really going to have to track him when he goes to Juco because he's Physically, he's he's really, really impressive. But um, but the best hitter I saw all week, even on a team with all those guys, was Jaquay Stewart. The guy just hits, man. He <laughs> hits. He hit that ball to left center field that hit the the wall on the fly, and you can hear it on the video. Just, just hit the wall like – he hit singles up the middle. He drove the ball with authority. He the, he just missed one pitch and hit a fly ball that had a near seven-second hang time. Like, guy just hits. Um, he got on the mound and threw extremely well, too. Like, um, they were playing uh, – who were they playing that started chirping? Um, I, Stony Point? I, yeah, Stony Point. Oh. I don't know why Stony Point decided to start chirping him in about the third inning, but they did, and he responded by striking off the side and, like, didn't even say anything, just kind of shot a glance at him as he was walking off the mound. Uh, he was up to 87th the fastball, competed very well, threw a breaking ball for strikes. I mean, he's, uh, he's definitely a hitter at the next level, but he's talented enough on the mound to where, you know, maybe if HBU needs him out of the pen a little bit, he can do that, but – um, he's an underrated athlete. I mean, he repeated his delivery the entire game, held his stuff the entire game, held his velocity, uh, made a really nice stretch out of play at first base. I'll, I'll put his left-handed bat up there with anybody in the 2023 class in Texas. I mean, it's, who, who, who drafted him? Oh God. How long are you going to do this? Really? Let's, let's establish how long you're going to do this. I'm, I'm this close to muting team Bish on Twitter because every time anything is tweeted, I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be tough with all the production I'm getting from my guys. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 everywhere. Hey, it is what, everywhere. talking talking about Team Bish production, I I was talking to uh, Coach McGar, K McGar's dad. He told me that Kate already has over twenty stolen bases this year. Twenty. How many games? So they probably paid like over twenty. They've only no, no. They've they've lost nine games to weather. I don't even think they've played. I thought you were going to say they lost. They've lost nine games. It's like no, (laughs) they're way better than that. Yeah, no. They've lost nine weather games. Nine weather games is what he told me, and he has over twenty stolen bases. Oh my gosh! So yeah, it's uh, that's that's loud. Um, I'm going to make my way over to see them at some point. But yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a couple other guys too before we move on. Uh, I got to see uh, tra- uh, Jet uh, Jet Williams play against Jason Jones on Thursday, and you know, I, it's funny. Like you talk about lo- looking, not riding the wave wave of performance. You know, both of those guys. You know, if you looked at the box score for that day, it's not going to blow you away for the game yeah. that I was at. Now I know Jason had a big weekend overall, but for the game I was at, like the box score is not going to blow you out of the water, but we, you know, we had him down the line, you know, I had him, everyone around me had him under four, three down the line on a ground ball. Um, you know, some, I've seen some places have four, one, seven. I think that was what we had on our main account, but I mean, everyone around me had mid two, four twos. 
Yeah. Um, but man, like he, he can move and he, it, he has good actions and, and is very, very moves very well for a guy as big as he is. Um, but you know, like you said, the, the bat speed is obvious. Um, yeah. And same with a lot of torque same with jet. I mean, yeah. I mean, those, those guys stand out. Um, one of the guys to the catcher, uh, catcher for Braswell, that guy can really, really catch. I, I don't, I wrote down his name and on my notes and I don't know where they these are. tournaments are tough. But Cause we end he, up writing like 90 names down from about seven games. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Braswell catcher, man, defensively, he can really catch, really catch and did a good job against Heath. Um, uh, let's see, trying to think, look at through our list of games. I went to anything else stood out. Um, think that those are the those are the main things for me but yeah excited for district play to start this week um rockwall and heath play wow Tuesday what a way to start what a way to start district play. right out of the gate yeah, yeah. No, it, it was, uh, buckle up boys <laughs> yeah so it's uh it, it's exciting to see those guys um i think i'm gonna get out and see both of those games and uh see see how that lands um yeah it's, see those i mean guys just looking really, through here you know, i mean this like, I mean, so many guys. I mean, Jackson Elizondo saw him throw from Smithson Valley, a lefty in the 23 class. Um, he's got a chance. He was he got stronger as his outing went on, was up to 86. Um, breaking ball's got a chance. Uh Smithson Valley, Zach Gingrich, a 2024 kid. Um, he hit five hole for him um in one game I saw and looks the part there. Then he got on the mound and it's he was up to 84. I mean, slider was a weapon. Had some feel for the changeup, physically long arms. You know he's gonna grow. I think he's gonna grow into being a, a bigger pitcher. Uh, he's got a chance to be really, really good. I mean that's that's missing Valley team's got guys just up and down the lineup. Um, Ethan Gonzalez, a twenty-three, it's committed to Tech. Um, had some really loud at bats. Um, I got my chance to see Bryce Wells, a twenty-five, committed to Texas. Um, you can see why Texas jumped on that one. Um, looked like a guy that's going to have a real chance to stick behind the plate and also hit for some power. Um, and, you know, if, if you didn't know he was a freshman, you'd think he's a senior, you know, just the way he stacks up physically uh, with the rest of those teammates. And, th- and that's a big team, too. Um, going back to Sinton, you know, Wyatt Wyatrek, um, who was a one-point committed to LSU, uh, saw him. He was up to 89. He was still touching 89 miles an hour really late in his start fastball curveball the curveball's gotten better since the summer um he actually throws a splitter too that he didn't show a bunch because i you know i asked him what it was after the game you know i I throw a splitter but i threw it so much the previous start that i got a blister um and it had kind of scabbed over so um fastball curveball splitter to me he's he's got to be one of the best uncommitted seniors in the state of texas um strong physical um, the delivery looked good from the side. I, I, I know that there's some programs keeping some very close tabs on him. I think there's still more velocity in the tank. I know he's thrown harder in the past. Um, so I do think there's a bunch still in there, but still holding 87, 88, 89 late in your start suggests that there's more to come. Um, but yeah, Westwood got to look at Ridge Morgan, a 24 class. I didn't get to see him pitch, which I think is probably where he's going to be the, like the, most recruited, highly, highly rated player at that position, but, um, you know, looks the part of a guy that really projects. He's tall. Uh, speaking of another tall guy um, for Dripping Springs, freshman Taylor Tracy, 2025 guy, 
He's a, he's a monster. He's like already like six, three, six, four, something like that. Playing center field, moving around. Great. Uh, I know his upside is probably biggest on the mound, but he swung the bat and playing center field for a really good tripping Springs team. Um, Nico Reedus like threw a complete game um, was holding his velocity deep into the start. A guy that I liked in the summer. Um, obviously Nico, Nico's it. Tyler junior college. Yes. Is that yeah. What he, yeah. Tyler Juco. Man, they're going to be loaded. <laughs> they are, man. It just, it's what do we always say about these junior colleges in Texas? It's great baseball. And these guys know what they're doing in recruiting and they get a lot of really talented players, but um, yeah, he was manipulating spin and shape and velocity with all his stuff and throwing multiple pitches and, uh, but the arm's quick, and he was still running it up there to 88, 89 late in his start. But, I mean, I saw a buoy as well. They've got some 23s. they got a chance. Um, Jonathan Gonzalez, Benjamin Merriman, Travis Starkey, Mason Winter. I mean, it's a lot of guys. Uh, a lot of guys, those tournaments are great, but you end up your head's kind of spinning at the end of them because you just have notes on so many players. But um, definitely looking forward to district play and, um, you know, seeing, you know, how the cream kind of rises to the top and, you know, which guys are kind of carving out a main role uh, for some of these really good teams as well. And uh, looking forward to maybe uh, um, easier schedules to track um, as opposed yeah. to missing with with weather and tournaments. And, you know, and it lost another day to weather because Friday was just miserable. Thank goodness. I mean, just that that would have been a awful thing to sit through again. But um, exciting times, uh, exciting times. I feel like we've seen so many guys already. Um, and then now we're not even really into district play for all these teams until this week. Um, so be really I, I have, us, all everybody's I have us at, I've got us at, we've seen 58 games in 52 of the 110, um, five to 55 guys. Yeah. That's between a lot. The 22 and 23 class. Yeah. 50, 58 so, games. Um, in, and that's with a lot of weather issues. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all over too. I mean, that's all over yeah. DFW. Yeah. It's some Houston. There's some Syntax. There's some San Antonio or some Bernie. Like it's, yeah, we've uh, we've we've definitely tracked around for sure, and, and you now lost some days to weather and, and everything else. But um, it's it's been Any fun. College it's takeaways, been, huh? Any college takeaways so far? Or as um, late? I didn't I didn't really I didn't really pay too much attention like. I got so excited Thursday that the lockout ended that like <laughs> I'd just been fully immersed into guys reporting to spring training and, and what's going on there because um, it's a big fantasy baseball time for me. I mean, I'm yeah, less, same little under two weeks away from going out to Vegas for my first ever um, main event live draft for the national fantasy baseball championship. So um my uh, my research is really really taking off, but I've got my uh, my um, MLB beat reporter Twitter thing. I've got my Texas high school baseball uh, Twitter column, my MLB one, and then my fantasy one, and then that's just kind of keeps me up to date on the news. But um, I didn't really pay too much attention to the college stuff this weekend. Uh, I saw Texas had a rough week out at South Carolina, and. You know, I was kind of curious how they were going to respond following the Tanner Witt news and just, you know, going out and playing another another road series and uh, be tough, man. They're going to they're going to have to pick themselves up and, and kind of regroup, I think. And, you know, anytime that you lose a guy that's was a very strong bet to be a 2023 first round pick and that guy's, you know, your, your Sunday starter. Um, 
it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a bummer because I was really looking for, I, he was going to have an all American type of season, but um, you know, those good teams figure out a way to respond, but man, I wonder if, I wonder if like those, those midweek games between Texas state and Texas were so good and so competitive and so intense um, that I wonder if that kind of took some wind out of Texas sales just mentally as they had to kind of regroup yeah. and fly out to South Carolina um, I think Texas State played Southern this week, so they probably weren't tested a whole lot. Um, but, you know, Texas going back on the road, like those midweek games were as competitive and as intense as I've seen midweek baseball in like a long time. Like yeah. I've seen good midweek games, you know, like when um, what was it like Nevada came to Austin last year? I mean, that was a really well played midweek series. And, yeah, um, you know, obviously well, it, the it's game the- is always intense. It's the difference of having that back-to-back game. Um, yeah, you know, it's pitching-wise. Yeah, I'll tell you, like San Marcos is hostile. I know we've talked about that before. I know we talked about it when we had Coach Blakely on. Um, yeah, but that's a hostile environment. That is a home field um, advantage. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot tougher place to play than most places in the Big Twelve for sure. Uh, that's and that's our that's my experience with it. And obviously, that was kind of a heated game. Um, got a little chippy at the end and, um, Texas jumped out on Wednesday to a lead and, you know, it was almost the reverse game. Yeah. The the script flipped the day before. Yeah. Yeah. And then Texas, you know, they get rained out Friday. They had a good game on Saturday. Um, you know, Pete gave up some runs, but battled through it and they, they put up some, you know, Ivan keeps hitting the ball a long way. Um, and then, you know, the, those double headers are just tricky, man. They're, they're tough. And it, it, coming at the end of a tough, you know, emotional week from, one, from a number of angles, mm-hmm. um, it's not all that surprising. You know, they, they play, they play, you know, I don't know, for those that aren't really familiar with the way co- most colleges, when they play double header, they play a seven inning game and a nine inning game. So it changes your strategy a little bit on a number of fronts. Um, but yeah, South Carolina, played played well yesterday um you know it was a clean pretty relatively clean game um on uh the game one yesterday and then it just texas looked like they just ran out of gas on on yeah i think mentally they look like a team that was mentally tired by the end of that yeah and it's understandable so you know and they're still out there so they've got two midweeks out there um against college of charleston um i know that's one of them i think if that's they play them both they play no they play college of charleston tuesday and citadel wednesday so that's a, it's a tough little stretch but yeah. you know i mean i and they and they're they have so they haven't you know they had two midweek games they've got two more midweek games this week so and they're still trying to you know i don't know if lucas gordon's the long-term option there he may be um for that sunday spot but they haven't really had a chance to correct and really settle down yeah. and evaluate i think what what they're gonna do there so that'll be interesting thing to follow um yeah a lot of that's really the that was obviously probably the biggest news you know texas was in the news for just about everything they did this past week yeah it was kind of status quo around the rest of the country i mean texas state is in the d1 baseball top 25 this week they debuted at number 22 yeah and it's um, which is very deserving i think that yeah i mean you look at what they've got veteran club. Um, I mean, they got some guys in the bullpen that can, that can rack up some swings and misses. 
they always hit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. I, every time I've seen Texas State, they always hit. Um, yeah, you look at in this region, I mean, Texas State's in there, TCU at number 21, Oklahoma State at number 11, LSU at number 13, Tech, Texas Tech at 17, um, and then go up the list and Arkansas at three, Texas at two. Um, so kind of status quo, you know, nationally for the most part um, in, in terms of, you know, teams kind of handling their business and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Texas, but that's uh, you know, they'll be better off in the long run for having played weeks like this, um, you know, just. Right. And I get it. Like you, it's, you know, from covering David Pierce, like it made sense. Like, look, like if, if we, for some reason have to go on the road in the postseason. I don't, I don't want it to be like a shock to our guys when they go into one of those environments and playing at Texas state and going on to Corpus for that midweek and then going out to South Carolina. I mean, those are the types of things that are going to help prepare you for um, a situation. If you do have to go on the road in the postseason, and you're going to have to go on the road in the big 12 to places like, you know, I haven't looked at their schedule, but maybe Texas tech or Oklahoma state or someone. Yeah. You're going to go to places where it's not easy to play on the road. Um, So yeah, it's uh yeah, we'll we'll see what happens but, there, but no, I, yeah, so I, uh, they, they do they go to Lubbock next week, not this weekend, but next weekend they go to Lubbock. Um, I know they're supposed to be at Norman, but there may be some exciting news coming out about that series today. So we'll see. Um, exciting? Wait, what are you teasing? Huh? Just what are you what are you teasing? The Texas Oklahoma baseball series. Oh yeah! Oh, you're like dropping some news or something? No, but I think something may come out today. Just a hunch. But so you are teasing some news. Call it everyone. Whoa, whoa! It'll be out by the time this comes out, so we're good. Okay, interesting, interesting. I uh, yeah, wonder. Um, you have my attention. Um, you have my attention for sure. But um. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fun to have everything kind of going at once now with with all three levels uh, of of baseball, high school, college, and, and now pro as well. But um, it kind of reminds me too. I kind of like one of my takeaways after watching a bunch more games. Um, like, have you noticed that as you go up the levels of baseball, the coaches talk less during games, like as you kind of move up the list or the level, the in-game like at bat or pitch by pitch communication decreases. What do you mean? Do you mean like going up levels from like four, a to six A? Are you talking about no, like, like high school college pro, like the amount of conversation that happens between pitches or at bats. And like, I just I, I wish sometimes like some of these coaches would step back and like watch a college game or a pro game and see what those interactions are like with players between pitches and at bats and things like that. Because man, just sometimes there's just so much talking that like you gotta understand these guys are in the box trying to think through their at bat and what they're seeing and what's going on and their swing and then you're kind of hammering them from all angles about do this and do this and do that. And do well, that. Da, 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 da. Like, I'm, I'm like, do you like watch a, watch a pro game and see how much conversation happens between pitch or even watch a college game. Like I, I just, you know, we, we've talked to some people in the past about, um, you know, guys now that, that kind of move into the pro level, like 
they don't really know how to play the game as well as guys did in the past. Like mm-hmm. they don't know like some of the basic stuff about, you know, like, you know, maybe like trying to pick off somebody's signs or going first to third or how to read certain situations when plays happen and things like that. And I don't know, just kind of remind me watching a bunch of games. Like I, I wish coaches would sometimes step back and, and, and like look at the levels above them and see what kind of dialogue happens between pitches and between at bats. Like, um, cause these guys are like, they're in the box. They're thinking like they want to hit, they want to do well, like, you know, kind of hammering them at all angles with all this yelling and this and that, like, I don't just see. Well, there's definitely there's- a lot of yelling going on. I think, I think one thing I've noticed and I don't remember it being as much this way when we were playing, but man, I feel like, in every single game I go to, at least one of the teams gets a dugout warning from the umpires. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is like there's some some this nonstop jockeying from the benches. Yeah. Like it is. It is. It's something that you, maybe that's why the coaches talk so much. They're trying to drown that out or keep their focus on baseball versus some of the stuff going on. Like I was at a bunch of a couple of games in. Man, like the umpire, the umpires, he made I poor guy. He tried to warn a team for what they were saying and what he, what came out of his mouth only added to it. He basically, without saying what they said, he said, you're being annoying and too loud was the reason, <laughs> the, the reason he ended up giving. And so then the parents took it from there and just, let the guy have it. And like, there was a softball game, ball, softball game or tournament going on in the same little complex. And so every time they would cheer from softball, the parents would start asking if they're being too loud, if that's bothering him. <laughs> it was, and that was the first inning. So like, it was oh, ongoing. Man. Yeah. But there's there's man. a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't know. I mean, we watched so much of the different levels too, that, I wish sometimes people would kind of step back and just kind of look at like the communication and how it happens. Um, especially for players, like these guys have got to like learn how to play the game. And also too, like the more you're putting in their head, like between pitches, I would think increases the well, likelihood part of it's that the signs. That's how they, all the majority of them do their signs. Now they do the verbal signs yeah. with the numbers and all that. So yeah. that that's part of it. Um, yeah. I still can't get over that. It'll take me some getting used to, 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 to be okay with that. But it, I mean, it's, it's a, it's probably a more, it's an easier system, but you know, for guys like you and I that are a little bit old school and, you know, it just, I, I don't like it. The visual, the visual aesthetics of it do not, are not appealing. Oh, you're lying. I know back in your rock wall days, you had the wristband with everything on there. Like that. I, I know you were pioneering that. No, <laughs> no chance. I, was, I went like, I kid you not. I went. I, okay. No, our, our head coach, the guy that was the head coach at Rockwall and I am, he does a radio now. So I, I go up whenever I'm at Rockwall, I'll go up and be in the press box with him for a little bit. You spend about 30 seconds with that guy. I promise you, you'll understand that we did not have wristbands with signs on them. I, I went through an entire junior season at Klein Collins. Our team did not, our team, I think, got one sign the entire year. Like yeah. one, like, like it, it's just, 
Yeah. And like, not that that was the way to do things. I mean, that was kind of like just a wild season of, we didn't really have many much direction at all from anybody. Um, which just kind of goes to show you like the extremes of how things have kind of changed a little bit, but, right. um, you know, just, I, I just, a, a, I guess a little bit of a pet peeve of mine is that like, I think these guys have got so much going on in their heads that you more, you try to stuff in there, um, the more chance they're probably going to be set up to fail. Um, and just like, I always watch how coaches like interact with, with guys at the levels above. Um, a lot of the communication happens after at bats and after in between innings and things like that, you know, kind of when there's, there's just that mental break to where like, Hey, you know, what'd you see here? Why'd you do this? That sort of thing. Um, you see pro guys as well. I mean, they go like they, you know, they study their at bats between innings or when they're back in the dugout and, and things like that. Like that's, that's where a lot of the learning and correction can occur as opposed well, they, to when you're stepping they, out between pitches and, and getting hammered with stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I'm sure there, there's definitely some offenders in that, um, you know, but it's different. They, they play a lot more games. They've had more experiences and they have access to more stuff to coach off of too. Yeah. So they, you know, like I was, when coach Pierce came to Texas, I was always impressed or I liked the fact that, um, you know, he, he has a football background um, in a number of ways. He coached it. He played it. You know, his family still is big in the football world in the NFL. But, um, you know, he he was one of the guys that always didn't want to react to what happened before watching the film. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I like that. I appreciated that. Um, you know, a lot of times it can take some of the emotion out of it. And for one, you know, he. <laughs> you may light some guy up and then go back and look and realize that, okay, well, he did t- that ball that he took, I thought was a strike. Wasn't. So I, yeah. you know, I, it's not worth getting on him, but yeah, it's just, it's just a different game. It's one of the places where it's a different game. Right. Um, but yeah, it's there baseball, like no matter what, I mean, I I'm interested to see how much it is with district this week but man it is there is a lot of noise coming from both Doug. i might start wearing headphones during ah. headphones. <laughs> oh man it is and that's like that's one of the things that impressed me about Sinton was like you know they had a couple of their little for lack of a better word chance or whatever but uh, just like they just carried themselves in a way like we're here to compete and play the game yeah and win and then we're going to pack up and head out and get ready for the next game you know and uh by the way shout out to s2 cognition it looks like they're the sponsor of our our five tool texas games of the week now judging from judging from our twitter account but uh i'm excited to uh jet williams just replied that we should be at heath versus walk rockwell jet i'm gonna go out on here and uh i think that we will have a presence um at that game um maybe multiple people but uh yeah, yeah that that's yeah, hopefully like, that's we can get some, way to kick hopefully off we can get someone else over yeah hopefully we get someone else over there to video yeah. and i plan on being um kind of along those lines um thursday um tomball and tomball memorial um yeah two two rivals in that district will get going this week to open up district play down there so uh plan to te- check out some chase Moore and some Jarrett curtis and uh tomball's got some younger guys in the 24 class that have a chance to be really really good players as well so really looking forward to get this district season going and, and uh easier to make our schedules uh which will be yeah. which will be nice as well but 
Um, well, that about wraps us up. Um, sorry it took us so long to record one of these, but um, man, it feels like about three months went by, but really it was a little less than two weeks. Um, so get to, uh, to Podbean or Apple Podcasts to, uh, to subscribe to the podcast or download them or, or keep up with them. Um, this is episode 49. We'll hit the 50 mark soon. Hopefully we hit 15,000 downloads uh, on that 50 mark. We're, we're getting close uh, to the 15,000 mark. For, so thanks for all the support. Um, one of my goals is to eventually get this up onto Spotify sooner than later as well. So if you kind of consume podcasts through Spotify, uh, we'll get those on there for you as well, because I know that's becoming a popular place to kind of stream podcasts and stuff like that. But and also YouTube, um, get to YouTube, hit subscribe, not only for these podcasts, the video version of them, but we're also uploading a lot of player highlight stuff from all the footage that we're getting in various games um, across the state, especially with the pitchers, some really cool stuff on the pitching side, you know, Cole Phillips, one of his outings, Lucas Davenport, one of his outings, um, some, some standout performances there that we're getting up on YouTube. So stay subscribed to there as well. But uh, for Drew Bishop, I'm Justin McComas. Thanks for tuning in until we talk to y'all next time. Take care.